You should have got a card like this this morning. If you're comfortable, some of you already, this may uh, like cause some uh, anxiety. If you have a Bible, like uh, one of these types of Bibles, which you notice sometimes I rarely open it up up here. I will today at the end. It's because I got all the notes. You know, I got everything written down for me in there so I don't have to fiddle with it. And I, even though I have the giant print, I still can't see it without my glasses. So, uh, But I can with my, you know, 50 font that I put on here. Uh, it's just what you do. You just make things bigger, right? It just grows. And, uh, but you can... With the Romans 12, 1 and 2 in a little bit, I'll give you some instructions depending on time. We'll see how much time we can spend in it today. Um, but uh, you can write on the card, but you can also write in your Bible. I know. Ooh. Really? It's, it's acceptable today, today only. You may write in your Bible. <laughs> I, I will confess to you as we talk about the Word of God today that as... Uh, even a pastor, which I really don't think means a whole lot in God's kingdom as, as far as uh, levels of, of goodness, um, we're all in the same boat together. So maybe this will free some of you up. Um, when I read God's word, I often feel joy. Do you feel that? When I read God's word, I feel joy. Sometimes I am extremely bored. Uh, do you ever, I know, look at you like, uh, I get bored. I get excited about some of the things that I read. Often when I read it, um, I feel like it's work. So part of being a vocational pastor is it is work to read sometimes and to do certain things, just like you have things to read probably for your work, possibly. Um, sometimes it feels like I'm striving for something. So sometimes when I read God's word, I feel like I'm striving um, for God to approve of me more, like me better, because if I re can read more, know more, think better thoughts um, in light of reading God's word, then he's going to be more approved of me. And I'm sure he loves it, um, but I don't know that he appreciates my striving in my own strength. And so some of you may feel that. Um, sometimes I use it as a tool instead of some intimate uh, work of God into my life. So sometimes it just feels like a tool that I'm trying to get something from. Sometimes it's exhausting um, to read these things and just feel exhausted and overwhelmed. And, uh, and so it can feel then, if, if that's the case, at times lifeless. So I don't know if you've ever re read God's word and you just feel like you're getting nothing. Like you feel like you're supposed to get something, right? And you hear other people talk about it and you just feel like, wow, man, I wish I had the kind of relationship with God that they have because it seems like every time they read the word, they're just like expressing like, God just did this and did you see that? And they're always like that. And, uh, and then like even myself, like I don't feel like that sometimes. And so it can start feeling a little lifeless, especially when it becomes just a tool. Um, at times, it's very refreshing. There's times when I am so discouraged and down, and I read some passage, you know, and I'm like, wow, I, that, it's right where I'm at. I know some of you feel that way because we've talked about it before. I feel sometimes that it is very exhilarating when that happens. Sometimes I feel that the Bible is very irrelevant to the times. Sometimes I read it, and I'm like, how does this, do? I don't know if you ever do that. Like, what does this mean for today? <laughs> Leviticus, I am sick of reading through Leviticus, okay? <laughs> I started a one-year Bible, I'm going straight through, and I got to Leviticus, and I gave up, and it's like, you know. So I don't know, if, does that resonate with anyone? Do you want to raise your hand? I am. I'm telling you all this stuff. Free, it frees you a little bit, all right? Let's just feel that together. Uh, 
it can feel at times very obligatory where I just feel that I have to do this because of my vocation, but also because I'm a Christian. Sometimes I just feel like I'm supposed to do it, and I'm supposed to do it based upon someone else. A lot of times I compare myself to someone else, and I always fall short. I'll never live up, you know, to, to whatever. I, I think I've told you many times, like, one of the first authors that I started reading was A.W. Tozer, and I remember reading one of his little books. I love him. He's a great author, but, man, I'm like, I read something in there, like, if, he's like, if I don't, if I don't, like, pray and read the Bible three hours a day, then I am nothing for the Lord. And I'm like, oh, God, I might as well just call it and just, <laughs> just, because I, I don't know that I, I'll ever get there, you know. In the way that he's talking about, so it wasn't just, you know, uh, it wasn't just maybe for the average person, but I, I don't know. I, sometimes what I've done is I've turned the Word of God into a textbook, not a love letter from God. So sometimes it feels like, and there's an element to it that it is. We want information. We need to learn and grow. And the Bible can be used that way and should be. What I say today, I'm, I'm going to present something to you. It's not to replace Bible study. It's not to replace learning and growing. I think that's very important. I need to do more of that. I have a long, long way to go. I feel sometimes like I'm just getting going, and then I'll see these 20-year-olds and 30-year-olds and you know teenagers and kids Man, doing things like I wish I was like that when I was young. I wish I was like that at 54, you know, for that matter. Like, you know, um, at VBS, this little girl's quoting scripture and just feels like it's passionate and real for her because it was. And I'm looking at her, you know, she's probably like, I don't know, seven or something like that. And I'm like, I wish I had that kind of relationship with God. <laughs> you know, like, you're like, it just, I don't know, it felt like that at the moment. It's not, re it's not you know, the truth, but it, I'm like, oh, oh wow. That's just so wonderful. Um, and I think often in reading God's word um, that my soul sometimes cries out like there's got to be something more. Like I feel like I'm missing something. Especially when I'm uh, approached with conflict, when uh, there's controversy, when we see what's happening in our culture and things don't seem to match up. When I'm asked by some of you hard questions, you know, that I can't Google, like, it's best if you call me. If you want to think that I'm super smart, call me for questions. Because while we're talking, I'll put you on speaker and I'll just Google the answer real quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me give you a very uh, intellectual, like I'm telling you now stuff. You're like, this, our pastor, one of our pastors is messed up. And I am. It's true. But my soul will cry out sometimes, is this all there is? There has to be something more. And yet it, at other times my soul will cry out and go, I can't believe how much. And it, it kind of goes both ways. One of the things that happens when we, when we start embracing maybe more some of the negative things that we feel about the word of God without being real with it and him, then it becomes like instead of a, a word of life, it becomes a work of death. Instead of a word of life, it becomes a work of death because what we do is we read it and it just, it just seems to feed death and and, and it's disturbing and all this stuff in my life without really looking at it from the perspective of God's word to me and, and life that it gives and, and, and kind of working through all the emotions and different things. It's what I want to talk to you about today a little bit. Um, and then I'm concerned we'll come back to this in a minute. But what are we then teaching our kids? So, you know, one of the things that we've been trying to push for as a thrust for Journey Church is ki young kids and young parents and, and parents of children. And we want to help 
with our orange strategy and then as a church, um, we want to help parents disciple their kids. We want to partner with you. We don't want to replace you. In fact, God's word teaches us that we can't replace you. You are the best and most influential on your kids if you take this opportunity and advantage. Let me come back to that in just a moment. Okay, so if I feel these things about God's word sometimes, there must be some tools and resources, some things that I could embrace that will help me with God's word to, when I read it, when I, when I listen to it, when I work through it, all these things. There must be some ways that we can look at it a little differently. And today I want to present something to you, talk to you a little bit about it, and even should we have time, we'll practice a paraphrased version, a shorter version of it. That's why you have the card with Romans 12, 1 and 2. My men's group on Thursday, we've done this, you're going to get it, and so we'll see kind of how it works for you, but it's, it's going to become very familiar to them, the guys that have been coming on Thursdays. So let's go back now to this series, Unforced Rhythms of Grace. We're learning some resources, some tools, some ways to keep God in front of our minds. It's one of the things that Dallas Willard and others have said. One of the things that we want to do is we want to keep God in front of ourselves, in, in our brains. We want to keep him and be redirected back to him when we get sidetracked by various things of life. And that can be a list of things. We've talked about that some already. All right, so Matthew 11, uh, 28, or, yeah, 28 through 30 was this from the message talks about this. Now, in these first few verses, we've read this, this uh, portion of scripture many times. I wanna apply it even to the word of God. This is me sometimes when Jesus says, are you tired? Like, uh, it's, it's gonna be all right for you to say this out loud, I will. Are you tired of reading the word of God? Some of you, that's like, that sounds like horrible. But let's just be honest. Do you get tired sometimes because you feel like you're supposed to read it if you're really a Christian? I'm, are you tired? Are you worn out? Does the word of God wear you out sometimes? Like it's just so emotionally can be draining. You read through some of the Old Testament, the scriptures. It's part of the scriptures, the Bible. We say old and new, but really it's all of scripture. Man, can it wear you out? Can it be draining and exhausting because of the emotion there and the, the lack of sometimes understanding? What does this mean? I'm exhausted. I don't want to read this anymore. It's wearing me out. Are you burned out on religion because you read it sometimes and you're like, this is, this is what? And it feels like I'm supposed to do all this stuff. Here's the list. And if I don't do it, then God doesn't like me and all the stuff that you do to yourself. And you get burned out even on reading it. You get burned out on wanting to try to embrace it and live it out. Do you feel that way about God's word? Because it is one of the, the most precious things that helps us keep God before our minds, our eyes, our hands, our heart. And says, apply this. This is where I want you to think about with me today. Jesus tells us, if you are tired, worn out, burned out on religion, what does he say? Come to me. Apply that even to, he's the living word, it says. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. You want to get in recovery? Come be with Jesus. Right? And so even if we apply that to the word, how do we restore some of that passion for the word? It's to come get away with him. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Some of us need a real rest. Not just sleep physically, but just rest in our souls and hearts. And we've talked about that in the past. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me. Work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. So we're talking about these disciplines that we can do, spiritual habits, that will help us keep God before our minds. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Hey, Ron, some of the stuff you described, that doesn't come from me. I didn't do that. That's your own junk that we want to work through that you're placing upon yourself or maybe others have and you've received it that way. 
I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Now, I love those verses. Now, apply it to his word a little bit. How do you feel about it? What's your experience with God and his word and reading and studying and learning and growing? This is an invitation from Jesus to stop trying harder, but train, we said this way back, wisely. So we said there's a difference between effort and earning. We need to put effort into something, but not to earn God's favor. A lot of us think that if I could complete my one-year Bible plan this year, then I will earn God's love, and he will now accept me more. My mansion will be bigger because I made it through. Hey, God, I, I read right through this year when I hit Leviticus. I just I kept going. Some of you, though, aren't going to have as great a place because you skipped Leviticus, all right? <laughs> you ever read a one-year Bible plan and you, you literally want to skip parts? Like, I can't do this anymore. But there's so much guilt that you don't. So you just slow down and then it's like, you know, December and you're like, I can catch up, I can catch up, I can do this. Let me, you can't, Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, we want to embrace even more what God's word then is. It's not, it's not trying harder. It's training wisely. 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 10 says these words. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Do we do that today? Yes, we often do. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good. It's good. We should physically train, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. Wow, that's some powerful verses there. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle for our hope. Why do all this? What's the important thing? Our hope is in the living God, who is the Savior of all people and particularly of all believers. This is a big deal that we learn how to you know, not try harder, but train wisely. So that's what we've been doing. And today, we want to learn a little bit more about how that looks concerning the Word of God. Why is this important? It's important because of our relationship with Him. It's important because we want to grow and learn in an intimate relationship with Jesus. It's important, too, I already mentioned, because our kids need to learn to do this the right way. Not be and try to now change all my thinking and correct all the damage that was done. Not be worn out. Let's not wear our kids out. Make them exhausted and teach them that religion is more important than a relationship with Jesus. Let's teach them, why is this important for all of us, but especially our kids, let's teach them that they don't have to just try harder. If you just try harder, you can do it. But let's teach them how to train wisely. Why? Because we want them to make wise choices. Why? Because our hope is in something greater than just some good books. Our hope is in Jesus. So we want to learn how to do this. Now, in the, at the end of the service, you're going to get, um, if, if you want, a little stick of honey to take home. And it's going to remind you of something that's, I didn't want to do it in here because you'd be put into people's hairs and it'd be on the chairs and, you know, all that stuff. <laughs> we talked about this quite a while back when we talked about discipleship. 
in Jewish custom and tradition, there are these schools uh, of training that they would do. And so I don't want to get into that. There's a lot with it where children would start school at about six years old. And one of the first things that they would do when they would go to school is they would learn the alphabet. That's still kind of common today, right? They're going to start learning the alphabet. And one of the things that they would do, this was called Beth Sefer. This is when they were six, they would start this first day of school. They'd come to class, and the rabbi um, in this Jewish training and learning would take honey, and he would cover their writing slate, sometimes the board, um, with honey, and he'd put it on there. And then they'd teach them the alphabet. Now, in, in the Bible, there's some beautiful things there. We don't want to get into it too much today, but honey was a sign of God's favor. So right off the bat, when that honey was there, it was a sign of God's favor upon these kids. It's a reminder of who God is, what he's done, and it's his identity. It's a little reminder of his identity. That's one of the things that these unforced rhythms of grace do, these spiritual habits. They are a reminder of who God is, what he's done for us, and who we are in him. Identity, 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 and purpose. And so they put this honey on the slate or on the board, and they start practicing the alphabet, a sign of God's favor. It would remind them of also history of the promised land. Remember, if you know scripture, if you don't, it would say they would go into the promised land. The Jews would, God would rescue them from Egypt and take them to the promised land, a land of what? Milk and flowing with milk and honey. It was a reminder, again, of who God was, what he would do. And they'd, they'd get, like, that honey on their, on their slate. They'd practice. And, of course, naturally, like, even at 54, I would do the same thing. I would have honey where? Everywhere. <laughs> so one of the things that they would do is they would tell them. It's kind of funny that I'd like to picture this. Go lick, like, they'd practice the alphabet and then go lick on the slate. Lick your slate. You would do that, too, wouldn't you? Yeah. Go lick the chalkboard. Would you do that? But even more, they'd say, lick your hands every time you're practicing. They wanted them to understand the beauty and the wonderful perspective that would say, and they'd say these words when they would do it, the Torah, the word of God will be my calling. And they would say, may the words of God be sweet to your taste, sweeter than honey to your mouth. At six years old, they wanted to recognize training with the beauty of God, God's word with the sweetness of what it was truly to be. And so they'd practice and they'd lick their fingers or lick even their slate. And honey is, a, is, a, is just wonderful, right? And something to drink or just something even to eat or on peanut butter or whatever. May the words of God be the most enjoyable thing you could ever comprehend. Could you believe if our kids starting at six believe that about the word of God? What are we teaching our kids? I was reading a modern day version of it. The rabbi takes his little daughter to school for the first time. They're practicing the tradition, but instead of honey, there's M&Ms by each letter. Now, some of you are like, okay, now, now, now we're talking. Now we're like... What if we all gave you Bibles and in them was also every week just, hey, turn to Romans 12, 1 and 2. And when you opened it, there was God's word and a uh, package of M&Ms. Now, wow, we would probably build a great church huh, at that point. <laughs> but you see how you start recognizing God's word. Look at these scriptures. What it does, they would quote these scriptures even from them. From the Old Testament, the Psalms would say in Psalm 34, 8 and 119, 103, the scriptures would say, Taste and see that the Lord is good. 
Oh, the joys of those who would take refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. This is a perspective we want to have of his word. A taste and see Psalm 119, 103 would be quoted to these kids as they would do this. How sweet your words taste to me. A. How sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than. I pray that this week you take one of those honey sticks, you bite the top off with your teeth as you're reading God's word and just go, wow. If you're not allergic to honey, that is, all right? But get some M&Ms. If you are, just go buy a Snickers bar or something like that and do the same thing. It all works, right? Where you read it and you just go, wow, God, your word is sweet to the taste. And I want our kids to know that at a very young age. It doesn't matter if it's M&Ms or honey, Snicker bar or a donut. You can go down to donut country and do the same thing probably, right? And when we embrace it that way, here was a great little perspective. This is from Proverbs 16, 24. It's not up on the screen, but when you take sweet in, one of the things that it may be a process and over time, and it doesn't work all the time, but when we're constantly seeing it that way, sweet comes out. So Proverbs 16, 24 even say, kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Wow, sweet coming in, sweet comes out. All right, now let's look at what God's word, what is this like then? What are we talking about? Let's just take it just even a little bit more today. And this is even gonna work, what I present a little bit. If you're here and you're not a believer, you're not following Jesus, I still want you to kind of follow along. And when we get to Romans, I want you to think about this with me still. And kind of like dialogue with, with God or wherever you're at with the words that are said there. Are they true and real? What does that mean for you? But uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 15 through 17 say these things. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. So this connects with our kids and us today. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. Probably even makes the Jews at that time be reminded of, oh yeah, at 6, I remember going in to school and I would taste the honey and I would learn the alphabet. So that I recognize you've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. They've given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. They've given you wisdom. All Scripture then, he says. This whole thing. The writer's writing and saying, it's not part of it. Right? It's not just the parts I want to grasp a hold of. He is saying, all of Scripture, he says, by God, and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. This helps us, teaches us. It says it even corrects us when we're wrong. Have you ever read something in here and it's pretty obvious you were wrong? Regularly for me. And teaches us to do what is right. Now it's teaching me what to do is right then. God uses it then to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Wow, this talks about God's word and gives us some really good instructions on what it then does for us and in us and how sweet it is for our lives. We take that sweetness in and sweetness is over time at least gonna come out. It's very important. But sometimes I think we're satisfied with something less. That's when it becomes something that tires us out, wears us out, and uh, becomes exhausting. And it turns into religion. Um, I, uh, I used to um, uh, often go to a local fast food chicken restaurant in the valley here. 
I haven't done it very often. And one of the reasons that I would go is not because I wanted the chicken. It's because I wanted, you may guess right off the bat, I wanted the biscuits. Yeah. I don't need the chicken. Okay? I don't need anything else. Just give me like 25 of those biscuits. All right? <laughs> no, it's for the family. But I'm by myself. Yeah. You know? it's, not, it's not that. We, when we were in Atlanta, the team, we went, I don't remember what the place was. There was a, I think Charles, our new kids pastor from Dallas, there was a chicken place that he recognized. We went there and they had, you know, biscuits with chicken on them. But uh, anyways, so I'd go in there and, uh, and eat biscuits. And I wanted honey. Do you ever put butter and honey on? Like, yeah, oh yeah, you're thinking about it now, huh? Just distracted everybody in here. Man, bit. I just even those, uh, you know, the poppin' fresh thing, those biscuits, the frozen ones in a bag, go after church. Buy a bag of those. You'll have them maybe a day. And you just plop them in the oven and just put butter and honey on them. Thank you. Thanks. You are thinking it. All right, so you go in there and uh, you put this honey. And, you know, I've done this for years, I think. One day. I look at the packet of honey, and I notice it's not called honey. Do you know what it's called? Honey sauce. Have you noticed this? Look next time. So then you look on the package. Now, I did not go in recently, so maybe they've changed this. I really doubt it. I did Google it to see, and I saw many people comment on this. It's called honey sauce. And says, it's even gone down. Used to be, on the front of the package, 11% contains 11% honey, real honey. Now, it says contains 7% real honey. That means that 93% of it is sugar. Well, no wonder it tastes so delicious. It's corn syrup, right? <laughs> Now, believe me, I did not stop eating the biscuits, okay? Because <laughs> I want to make you think that I got disgusted and said, I'm never eating here again. You know, like, no, I'll still eat them. Uh, I'm not that crazy. But, <laughs> you know, when we read this stuff about Scripture that talks about the honey, I think sometimes we've allowed such a small percentage of God's Word to be a part of our lives. We're, we're, we're looking at it like we're willing to just you know what, I'll take, I'll take 7 I even used to take 11%, now I'll just do 7%. That means that 93%, 89%, we don't want anything to do with. So when we talk about this today, and when we look at it continuing on, we want to take the whole word of God and take the sweetness of it. I know some parts of it are hard. I've already told you sometimes I get bored, I get frustrated, I feel these things. Let's just embrace that and start working through that together. And then what if we could look at it a little differently, all right? So let me give you a couple thoughts, then some things that we can work through. And if we have time at the end, I'll, we'll actually practice one of the, this, this whole kind of plan I'm talking about in addition to thinking about some other things throughout the week. All right, so two ways I want you to read. Okay, so when we read Scripture, I want to propose to you two ways. Now, there, this is not to replace Bible study. still has its place. This is not to replace getting information from the Bible sometimes. This is not to replace all the things that are still valid and relevant for today. 
okay? I'm not talking about this, but I am talking about reading it these two ways. Number one, read for intimate relationships. So when we read the Bible, we want to read, oh, actually, I skipped one. We want to read for intimate relationship, um, but let me go this and I'll go back to the other one, all right? So this is an invitation from God to us to not rush through something, but to listen relationally. We want to move from just information gathering to experiencing Scripture as a place of intimate relationship and encountering ourselves and God. So one of the things that I propose to you is when we read God's Word, even Romans 12, 1 and 2 today, hey, where, is, where am I in this and where is God in this and how does it relate to me and Him together? This is the Word becoming an instrument of God rather than a tool that we control. So we want to read God's Word for relationship, intimate relationship. He speaks, I listen. One of the things um, that we see even in the life of Jesus, I don't know who said this, I did not come up with this, but it was a nice little challenge that Jesus didn't say much publicly until he was shaped by the word privately. He doesn't even do ministry until he's in his 30s. But we know that he followed Jewish tradition, it's very possible Did Jesus taste the honey when he went, and he would have. We know he did. The Bible tells us in Luke 2.52 that he grew in wisdom, stature, favor with God and all the people, and he's a rabbi. We know this from Scripture. We can study this and see this and learn this. That means that if that tradition was followed at that time, he learned the alphabet, and he was tasting the honey. He learned from a young age, this is God's word, and it is sweet to the taste. So I, I was challenged by that, that he didn't say much publicly until he was shaped by the word privately. Maybe you think through that during the week. So we read for intimate relationship, and then I go back and, then, and, and tell you we read for spiritual transformation. So when we read, we're not just reading for information, we're reading for transformation. We're wanting God to do something different in us. We want to be, maybe you could look at it this way, renovated. Spiritual renovation, Hebrews 4.12. What does it say? It says, for the word alive and powerful. So there's that sweetness. This is not just some information that I'm reading. It's alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. When we read, if I'm reading this way, and still it's even tough for me, but when I read, hey, God, get into those deep places where I specifically because of relationship and transformation, need it. Not looking for someone else, to someone else, but man, where do I need this? When I uh, did yesterday, um, I uh, did, and some of you were there at Albert's memorial service. And in talking with Devin, um, she told me about the tattoo that Albert had on his arm. And it's from Ephesians chapter 6. And it says that, uh, you know, we fight against the principalities and powers of this world, so put on the whole armor of God. And then it lists what that armor is. If you're familiar with that, if you're not, go to Ephesians 6 at some point, New Testament in there, and read about it. 
And it talks about, I even imagine Albert maybe, you know, we didn't talk about this, Devin, but putting on that armor. Some of you may practice that. I put on this, I put on a shield, I do these things. You may practice your discipleship, your walking with God that way. And then it comes to verse 17, and it says, Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And then it's going to tell you a little bit how to use it against these principalities, but I was wondering and thinking through this a little bit before we move on, that the the Bible says, for the word of God is alive, powerful, it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It cuts between soul, spirit, joint, marrow. It exposes our, my innermost thoughts and desires. A lot of times we use the word of God as a sword to not look at ourselves and let it do its work in us. We look at it as a weapon to destroy others. I wonder if instead of reading the God, I mean reading the God, reading the word, to use it as a tool, you think for God, against people, in a negative, hurtful, let me chop you down way, what if you started by using the word of God to look at yourself? What if you read not for information to get, to go against someone else, And again, I'm telling you that all these things have their place maybe in some way, but I'm talking about what if we start and allow that sword of the spirit, the word of God, it says, to to dig deep into our lives, our souls, between our, you know, the bone marrow and joint, to get down deep into our innermost thoughts and places. So we read for transformation, spiritual transformation. We want to engage the scriptures with personal spiritual transformation in mind. I cannot easily do that if I'm only concerned about getting through an assigned amount or just looking for some bit of information. So we're presenting a different way. This is that taste and see, savoring the scripture, reading and listening at a deeper level, becoming open and available to God. And we don't want to do this as voyeurs, looking just into the word for something. We want to allow the word to look into us. And so these are important things. We Look and read at the word of God for transformation and for intimate relationship. All right. So one of the ancient practices, let me give you some principles and then we'll try to practice something. One of those practices um, that goes way back is Lectio Divina. If you are familiar with it, maybe you're not, but it's basically this, devotional reading. So it's looking at the Bible differently. It's hearing the scripture. And then through the presence of the Holy Spirit, God working, We hear then from him something specific for us. All right, remember, last week I told you with discernment, one of the deep questions is, one, is God good? Do you believe that? And two, do you believe that God wants to communicate with you? If you don't believe that, then when you read the word of God, you're just reading for information. But if one of the foundational questions that I answer is, do I believe that God desires, wants to communicate with me? And if I go, yes, then I go, wow, one of the most powerful ways that he speaks to me is through his word. It's the one foundation that I have. So when I read, now I go with expectation to hear what he has to say. And so it's very important for us to then, through this devotional reading, hear the scripture and answer that question first. Do you believe, do I believe that God wants to communicate with me? So I enter into this time and go, yes, God, you want to talk to me. So when I read your word today, and I, I believe you're going to speak. I come with expectation. Again, this does not replace Bible study. This does not replace some of the other things that you 
can do that are very important. But it does begin to open yourself up to God in a new way. All right? Okay. Now, let me give you some thoughts along with this, and then we can have a few moments to practice, okay? Here's what it looks like. Now, this is kind of, you know, a version. There's not a specific way. This is not a pattern that you have to follow. You can kind of morph this into whatever you want. You can, on the back of your card, write these principles down because we'll work through them with the scripture on the front, all right? Now, what do you do? Here's what I'm challenging you to do. One of the things that I'd like you to do, practice this week, is do this. If you're on a, anybody in here on a one-year Bible reading plan or a Bible reading plan, good. Are you already behind? All right, good. Okay, good. Yeah. All right, so we got that. Okay, this is not to replace that. If you want to keep going on that, go. If you feel like you can't do it anymore, but God's going to be mad at you if you quit, he's not going to be mad at you if you quit, okay? But you got to work through that, <laughs> right? But it's not to replace. Please hear me. Here's what I want you to do, this devotional type reading, hearing from God this way. I would like you to either do this, and I'll give you instructions too. If you're not a follower of Christ, here's a, here's a place to start. I'd like you to pick out um, a scripture or two, not a whole chapter, not, um, and I gave you two verses today, you could use this all week, not like, you know, a whole book, not a long, long portion, but pick out a portion of scripture, and that could be, like, one of the great ways to do it is go to a psalm, one of the psalms, you know, a shorter one, um, or break up a longer one in some way. So you go to the psalms, you could use Romans 12, 1 and 2 that we're going to do in just a moment. Or you can also, you know, a verse or two, whatever. So this is, this is wide open how you can do this. Or you can find a story. So let me, let me challenge you, if you're not a believer in here, to follow Christ. One of the greatest things you could do is go find a story in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, and then pick out a story about Jesus. It could be some story about how he, I know even yesterday we talked about um, uh, in Matthew 14, I believe it was, about Jesus calling Peter out from the boat, walking on water. That's a great story you could use. Um, you could go to any of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and pick out a story um, or one of the parables or something like that and use that as well, okay? And if you're not a follower of Christ, those are great things to do because now you're learning about Jesus. Whether you agree with him or not, like him or not, that's a great place to start. Well, this is one of the things that I gotta learn about Jesus and then you can kind of even let that be part of your experience. You know, do I agree with this? What resonates with me? Whatever, all right? So I want you to read a story or a verse or a psalm, some smaller portion, all right? So you're going to pick that out. Today, you have Romans 12, 1 and 2 on a card in front of you. And here's what I want you to do with that portion. Here's some things that I want you to consider and think about. Number one, I want you to rest. What do I mean by that? So rest is an important part. It's that beginning place. Okay, I want you to rest in his presence. I want you to be present with the scripture. I want you to answer the question, do I believe that through this portion of scripture, God wants to communicate with me? Right? This is not some magical thing. There's nothing weird about this. Do I believe that God wants to communicate with me? So when you read this portion, you're tackling something and say, you know what? And I believe, or I don't, but I believe, if, if you do, that God is gonna communicate with me. So today, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I picked out for you. You can use it if you'd like. First Samuel in the Old Testament, there's a little line in there from Samuel when he was growing up. 
He heard the Lord speak, or at least he thought he did. And uh, he was told to say these words, Lord, I am your servant, and I am listening. Speak, Lord, I'm listening. That's a great place to start. This is us being present. So here's what I want you to do. Ask God to meet you in his word. Say simply to him, don't move on. That's why Romans isn't up on the screen right now. Don't look at your card or anything like that. Just come to God as you are and just say, here I am, Lord. Today, I believe, or if you don't believe, you talk to him about that. God, I struggle with, with believing that you desire to communicate with me. I don't know if you do or don't, but here I am. Here I am, Lord, and take a few moments. Or here I am, all parts of me, the parts that are good, bad, and the parts that are ugly, and yet in it all, I still believe that you desire to communicate with me. And so I enter in today to this portion of scripture, this story, this psalm, and I believe that in it, you'll talk to me. I believe that something's gonna resonate or make me mad or I'm gonna have to try to figure out differently, and so you rest in that. Lord, here I am. Two, then you read it. But don't read it until you take a moment with him and just declare, God, I believe that you speak. I rest in that. I come to you with all the stuff that's going on. Here I am, and then read it. When you read it, don't be in a hurry. So remind yourself, this is not to rush through. A lot of times what we do, especially in, in planned, structured things, is we just rush through it. Did it. Check the box. Like in my, um, in my Bible reading plan, in the back of the Bible that I'm using now, I put little dots and check marks where I'm at. Did it. Did it. Done. Nailed that. I don't even know what I read half the time, but I read it. And I just cranked through 10 chapters, nailed, God, man, whoa, boop. And there's something about even checking it, right? Ooh, this feels good, 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 good. God could even go, what did we talk about today? And I go, I don't know, but I checked the box, man. It's awesome, right? <laughs> so that's, right? So we read slowly, no hurry. It's not some rush thing. This doesn't have to be hours. You're not A.W. okay? The goal isn't to hurry through the scriptures, but the scriptures to get in and through us. I read with expectancy, with imagination. If you're reading a story, what does it make you see, feel, the setting, the scenery, the sounds, the senses? See it, hear it, experience it. Put yourself maybe even as you read it, like if you were reading Matthew 14, what was Peter like in the boat? What was that experience like? What would you have been like? What would this have been like to be on that, that boat out in the Sea of Galilee? And don't try to figure it all out. As you read, don't try to figure it out. Do you ever read like that? Like, I gotta figure this out right now. I need to know the Greek to that word. I gotta look this up, Google that, figure this out before I move on. Don't try to figure it out. Just read God's word, experience what it is. If it's a story, put yourself in it. Don't try to figure it out. Don't judge or analyze it. Just rest in it as you read it. And then here's what I want you to do. On your card today in a little bit, in just a few moments, we can practice this. You could even practice it right now. What phrase or word resonates with you? Or something that may come up. Or what causes resistance? Like I don't, there's sometimes when I read this way and I go, I don't like that word. This is making me angry. <laughs> and that's probably the place where God's going, that's exactly where I want you to be. I need to get you there. So we rest in it, we read it, and then we reflect on it. I want you to take a moment, even with Romans 
12, 1 and 2 in just a moment to pay attention. How am I touched by this word or phrase that I circled, that I highlighted, that I underlined, that I'm stuck on? Where in my life do I need this? If it's a story, where am I at in the story? How is this making me feel? Who is this person that I'm connected with in this story? And I enter into this time of reflection with prayer and repentance and obedience. It's, it's, a, it's a chance, even if we're learning to become more like Jesus, to see where he is connecting to me in it. And so I rest in it first. Lord, here I am today. Lord, here I am. Before I even read Romans 12, 1 and 2, for example, here I am. Man, Lord, today I come in. I'm filled with anxiety or worry because of what's gone earlier, gone on earlier today. I'm exhausted because I woke up too early. The kids, the dog, they're making me mad. But, Lord, I just rest in that right now. <laughs> I rest in you. Here I am, Lord, in all that. God, I believe that you speak. So, God, now I read your word. I read Romans 12, 1 and 2, and I resonate with that word. Wow, here's what's going on. Then I reflect on it. Man, here's where it's sticking with me. And then I respond. This is where you pour out your heart to God concerning the text. What invitation or challenge do I need to respond to? And we talked about this last week. Is there a conviction of sin? Am I reading this portion and there's some sin that's popping up? Like, that's you, Ron. That's not, if I was reading Matthew 14 right out of the gate, I see Peter risking and stepping out in faith, but then looking at the waves and sinking, and I'm like, wow, that's me. I keep looking, I keep looking at the waves, man. I keep looking at the things and taking my eyes off Jesus. Is there a conviction of sin? Is there some confirmation of identity? You may read something and it's God resonating with you. This is who you are, Ron. You are not that. You're not what they say. This is who I declare you are. Is there a confidence in God's love, something that he's building up in you? Or is there a call to action? This is what I need to do. This is what I'm feeling. So as you rest in it, then you read it, you reflect upon it, and now you start responding. See, you don't respond before you take time in these other areas. Even if it's just like, 30 seconds in each one. Trust me, God desires to speak to you and you ponder on it for a moment and you think it through a little bit. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said this in connection with Mary. As Mary, uh, the mother of Jesus, said these words when she heard all this stuff about Jesus, this baby that she'd just given birth to, um, she would say, man, I treasured what everyone said in my heart. I pondered upon it often as I went through life. And he would say, ponder it in your heart, the scripture. As Mary did, that is all. That is meditation. Don't look for new thoughts and interconnections in the text as you would in a sermon. Don't ask how you should tell it to others, but ask what it tells you. So what I'm proposing to you is this today. Do you believe that God speaks? Rest in it, believe that, then read it, then reflect upon it, respond to it, and then here's what we do. We resolve to do something with it. So, Lord, man, today I allow the word to live in us. I resolve to live it out. And here's what I want to encourage you to do. Listen to it throughout the day. So, again, I've given you one already. This is a freebie, okay? You don't have to do this today. If you want to practice this, you don't have to do this. Like Ron said, pick out a verse or something like that. Oh, <laughs> nailed. Oh, ooh. You can do that, but I've given you one that's very, very good. Wherever you're at with the Lord, Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so as you do that, then throughout the day, how is it resonating with you? Where is it coming back? How about that word or phrase that you picked out? And then we come back to this. 
we rest back in it, okay? We rest back in it. So I started off with rest. Now I come back and say, Lord, here's how you spoke to me today, and now here I am with it. I resolve to do these things, and then you, you work through it through the day, all right? Okay. Worship team's gonna come up, and as they do, just get out your card for a minute, will you? Okay? We're gonna do a little quick version of this, all right? So one, let me ask you a question. We rest just a moment in this. Read, read it, you know, if you want to, you probably already read it, look at it, whatever, but just sit for a minute. It's all right. And uh, do you believe that God communicates with you, with us? And then, do you believe that he desires to communicate with you? So it's a good reminder to think of it that way because some of you might say, I believe that he wants to communicate with them. Ron, I think because you're a pastor, he wants to communicate with you. <laughs> but me? So you may even go, I'm not good enough. There's a deeper question. I'm not good enough. God wouldn't want to talk to me. Now, I don't know what you think, but just for a moment, will you just take a moment with me? Maybe some of you need to close your eyes so you're not distracted. But just rest in this. Do you believe that God desires to communicate with you? What do you come in with today? What anxieties or fears or worries? What good, bad things have popped up for you? And so God, even today we ask that you would meet us in your word. Here we are. Here I am. here we are. All right, and then we go to Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's on the screen. You have a card. Get out a pen. There's pens in front of you. Well, let's just read through it real quickly. Let me read it with you, okay? This. And you, you, don't have to, you don't have to be this short with it, but just think about it with me. I would, I would propose to you even right now, God wants to communicate with us. So your card says, the scripture's on your card. You have it in your Bible. You can circle, highlight in your Bible too. Uh, you may be able to do something on your phone with it if you'd like, but it says, and so dear brothers and sisters, he's talking to all of us, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now what I want you to do is read it one more time yourself. Hey, what word or phrase stands out to you? What resonates with you? What causes resistance? Don't circle five things. You're only allowed to circle one thing or phrase. <laughs> Some of you are just like, I just circled the whole verse. All right? So practice today. Even if you're not a follower of Christ, is there something in there? We're glad you're here. Is there something in there that if you took, I know it's weird to say in church, but took Jesus out of it, God out of it, is there something that still rings true? Something that causes resistance or you resonate with. So read it through again. Circle one thing 
or a phrase. What resonates with you? What causes resistance? All right, then ask yourself, reflect for a minute, and you could put respond in there. How are you touched by this word or phrase? Where in your life, not your neighbor's life, where in your life do you need this? Whatever you circled, whatever you underlined or highlighted, whatever word or phrase popped out to you, whatever is causing something to just connect with you, or where you feel it's causing some sort of resistance, where in your life do you need this? You can write it on the back of your card or just take it with you and consider what that is and then respond to it. What invitation or challenge do I need to respond to in that? Is there some sin to deal with, identity that God is reinforcing, some confidence, something that he's building up that you resonate with? Or is there a call for you to action, something that he's asking you to do? And then let me challenge you. Maybe you're not ready to do it today. This is a quick version of it, but uh, what do you need to resolve to do out of that? So what are some action steps or thoughts that you could take? Where do you need to go, hey, Lord, this is your will that I want, not my own. Where do you need this word or phrase, this communication from God to live in and through you? And where does it need to happen like throughout the day and I pray that it will connect with you throughout the day and as you think about that let's just take one more moment before we take communion together and rest in it Father today a quick version of something that we can practice on our own at home where we can take your word and respond with, with, with transformation in mind we're not trying to get information but we're trying to practice something that gives us transformation and then it's relationship. We want to, Lord, have you speak into us so that what comes out of us is your sweetness and work into our lives. And so, Lord, we rest again in it. Here I am. Lord, may your word speak to me very specifically. And God, may it, may it do that through, whether it's this Romans 12 portion or some other portion that we pick out for the week. May we never be in too much of a hurry to move past something that you want to do in us right now. May we not be in a rush to get to some other place before we deal with what we got to deal with right before us. And so thank you. Speak, Lord, for we are listening. In Jesus' name, amen.